Good luck editing this one, editor. Fortunately, lining up stuff has never been a problem with this show. That's, I mean, you've done a great job to help me with that, but at the same time, like... Yeah, just make it sound natural. It's easy. Right. Yeah. Just do it. Welcome to Active Discourse, the technology roundtable podcast. I am your Apple News Plus co-anchor, Brett. And I'm Bo, your flagship killer become flagship co-anchor. So we are now in the second episode in lockdown. Uh, and even though we're recording in the exact same manner in which we would outside of this lockdown, there's really no getting around how weird every normal interaction is tainted by uh, COVID-19. It's just, it's weird getting ready for all this. So, Yeah, I, I usually, I don't have my window open when I'm recording, but it gives me some fresh air. So you might be hearing some wind noises or birds more than usual in the Mm -hmm. background (laughs) spring is here and yet we can't really go outside to do much with it so um, we can we just have to maintain our distance (laughs) how are you doing uh this month um it's been a while it's been a while how are you doing not too bad um still working which is fortunate on one you know side of the coin (laughs) yep yep um and then i have to hear from all the people who get to not work and of course, that's rough for some people as well, too. You know, two sides of the same coin. Um, but yeah, doing mostly good. How about you? Good. Watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I, I loved Andy Samberg, Terry Crews, Andy Samberg. Two are great. Um, and over the last week or so, I dug into uh, YouTube and watched. Uh, SNL has all of the Saturday Night Live digital shorts on youtube yeah. or at least most of them anyway i actually got deep into the weeds on this and found that there's i think about like five or so that for whatever reason are not on youtube and they're really hard to find but anyway that's a tor- that's a story for a different time do, do you have a favorite digital short that comes to your mind right away dude i just Is i have one that tops all others i may well have watched damn near every single one of them over the class <laughs> last week so let me look at my list Hold on. So they could just blur together at this point. They do. <laughs> I just, mean, you could make a feature film with all the ones you just watched. They're almost like, and they're only like two and a half minutes long. But um, for whatever reason, uh, Andy popping into scene or Andy popping into frame sticks out to me as I don't know, possibly my favorite one. Um, otherwise, it's totally up there. Threw it on the ground absolutely a oh well that's just a great lonely island that is a classic you know my favorite digital short is dear sister oh i just i literally just watched that before we got on it's the absolute best oh it's the it's great um that said though the curse is pretty great too though john ham and a saxophone without a shirt on it's it's good stuff (laughs) i am a big fan of mad men so (laughs) maybe i I don't know. Maybe it'll wa- awaken something in me, and I'm kind of scared. Uh, anyway, happy April, and a follow-up. Follow-up is going to pretty much dominate this show, and so we're going to try to get through. We're going to get through a lot today. We're going to get through a lot today, Bo, and you see that yeah, because you see the kind agenda. Of a variety of topics. We're not just sticking to one thing today, folks. Yes, lots of stuff. We got a queue. Lots of stuff. So, and the first topic of the day is my review of Apple News Plus. I've used it for a month. It was released, so a little bit of history. It was released last year. I think it was released in June last year of 2019. And when it was released, Apple gave a free trial to anyone who wanted to use it. And uh, I chose not to use it because 
June 2019 wasn't really that interesting of a month, and I felt like I was going to get a better use of Apple News Plus um, in a month that might be a little bit more interesting. So 2020, just by the nature of it being an election year, was going to be a more interesting year. So I decided to save it for this year. And lo and behold, April was a pretty crazy month. Imagine telling yourself in June 2019 the situation that we find ourselves in today. Right. Right. Yeah. Hold on to that because there's going to be a global pandemic that you're probably going to want to get the news on. So, um, so Apple News Plus. Uh, yeah. Um, so I have a review. I have a lot to talk about here. Uh, let me let me flip the script here because I'm going to monologue and I don't want to monologue as much as possible. Where do you get your news from, Bo? Largely from Reddit and kind of a custom RSS feed that I've put together. It's uh, an amalgam- amalgamation of uh, different tech sites and media sites. Okay, okay. Do you, you don't really follow too much social news. It's mostly just tech news, right? Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I follow like politics and and things like that. So social news, I guess, is part of that. Yeah. Um. So a quick overview of what Apple News. Plus is um, Apple News is a free app that's available on iOS and Mac OS. Um, I don't think it has a TV OS, whatever. Anyway, it's on Apple's platforms. And it is a just a, a news service that pulls in news sources from all over the internet. Um, all of all the popular news sources populate their free stuff in there. And then they also happen to have a tier available for premium content and for magazines. So a couple of years back, um, if you've ever heard of the service called Texture, Apple bought uh, that company Texture and they focused on outputting PDF versions of magazines uh, on your phone. And Apple said, hey, let's buy them. So they bought them, integrated them into Apple News Plus, and the service is $10 a month. Um, for comparison, Apple TV Plus is $5 a month. Disney is, what, six ninety nine a month. Spotify is... How much do you pay for Spotify? I don't have Spotify. I have Google Play Music. Google Play Music. Uh, I actually have the family plan, which is 15 bucks a month, and you get five people that can yep. listen as much as they want. So, yep. yeah, the, the value proposition there is edgy right yeah uh you know office 365 is $10 a month um and which if you do productivity stuff for work or anything that's pretty huge right or even just your personal stuff yeah yeah i love office 365 it's great um so you know from the very get-go $10 a month this wasn't well reviewed honestly and so you know maybe maybe they give you something Maybe they give you a lot for $10 a month. But now that I'm at the end of the free trial, the free trial uh, concluded a couple days ago. And I was thinking about writing a formal review about Apple News Plus about a year in. But I can summarize my opinion of Apple News Plus in basically a sentence. My free trial is done and I have not paid $10 a month. And the premium content that I could access, I can't access anymore. I don't notice a difference still. I don't notice a difference still. I have to go out and look for that quote-unquote premium content. And in day-to-day use, if I don't look for it, I don't know it's there. I don't know why I would have paid $10 a month in the first place. So so do you think it's more of a, a 
like Apple's not putting it there for you to see or just that you really don't see the worth in that content? They do put it in there. They they mix in Apple News plus premium content with their free uh, with their free tier uh, content. Like a bulk of the content is actually not the premium tier content. A bulk of the content is content that you don't need to pay a dollar for. Um, and so they, it's kind of a weirdly built app because they essentially have a feed. And if you are scrolling, you don't see the tab bar at the bottom. So you might not have any idea that there's a second tab or third tab that you could go to. Um, in that second tab, it hi, it saves all of the premium content into that single tab. So you can dig through that tab. And all that tab is is magazines that you can say, I want to follow this magazine's content specifically. And so you can go in and see the National Geographic or the Wall Street Journals or um, Los Angeles Times and look for their content, specifically look for their latest magazine, look for their latest uh, newspaper um, read through only the Wall Street Journal's latest article. You can read through that if you want, um, but if you don't go, if you don't find that second tab, and you're just on the main tab that launches when you're in there, premium content is interdispersed with free content. And if you happen to click on a premium content and you're not subscribed, it says, "Oh, hey, you're not subscribed. Do you want to join?" and you just click back and you find something else to read. Like that's the only impact that I've run into. I haven't seen an article say, Oh shoot, I wish I had paid $10 a month in order to read that content. Just kind of shrug it off and forget about it. Five yeah, minutes later. There's more stuff to look at. So you, it, it sounds like you just really have to be a newsy. Like you really just have to be interested in everything that comes through a bunch of different publications yeah and 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 i'm not that's that's you know one thing so real quick on that premium content by the way so the magazine interface i spent that that's the thing that they think that you should spend ten dollars a month for which is to get access to the magazine content and it's an interesting idea. I think it's a great idea, actually. Like, so, Bo, you and I are actually friends because of the fact that you and I worked on a digital publication once in college. Yeah, as as experts in the field of designing <laughs> digital print, you know, publications. Yeah, in 2013, yeah. <laughs> so, honest to God, we made more interactive content in 2013 with iBooks Publisher than the... Uh, content that I saw in Apple News Plus. Uh, honestly, yikes! <laughs> so and I mean, I, yay for us, <laughs> you know. So, and that's I think that's just a a change in scope versus a change in capability. Honestly, because they obviously have the capability to interdisperse video, to interdisperse audio, to interdisperse interactive content in some way, shape, or form. Apple loves AR. It's not for a lack of capability. I think it's because of a lack of scope. I don't think that Apple necessarily has it in their mind to say, Wall Street Journal, please use this interactive medium to your advantage. They just didn't do that. And that's a shame because that's, I think, the, that was the thing that I was really hoping to find and I didn't find any interactive content at all. So it was just a formatted article 
That's all it really was. So there's there's potential there. Yes. Obviously, but it's not being utilized. Whether that's on Apple for not pushing it and getting publishers on board, or the publishers not taking advantage of the platform, you know, right. there's it's just missed opportunity. Right. It's completely yeah. a missed opportunity. I think it'd be fascinating to see what someone could do if they really took advantage of the fact that you literally have a phone screen that has infinite potential. Um, yeah, to like interact with. once they stop trying to emulate a piece of paper and actually do something that the phone allows that the paper does not, then that's where you start to you're going to start to see a value proposition in an app like that. Because why wouldn't you just get the magazine? What's also fascinating about this, and now we're going to get into some bad before we get into some good. So the first bad to share, um, and this is just kind of a strange thing in this. Um, magazine view you still do get scans of the actual magazine itself let's talk about the national geographic specifically what uh, was cool about the national geographic is that they did a like a table of contents and then you can click on the different articles that are in there and then or you can just page through and see everything as as it is Um, but what's fascinating is that just like a print a printed magazine has advertisements interdispersed between articles. This also has advertisements interdispersed between articles. So it's not like you're paying $10 a month to remove all advertisements. You're paying $10 a month to access the content and whatever is actually printed uh, is still in there. So It's the Hulu model all over again. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So the articles are actually reformatted, but the advertisements aren't. They're in their printed uh, aspect ratio. So a book, um. <laughs> a book is like what three by two or uh, four by three. It in your phone is sixteen by nine, uh, twenty one by nine. It's dramatically wider, whereas a book is much more square like. And so every so often, as you're paging through, you your screen is shrunken essentially because of the fact that you have this advertisement that's too small to fit uh, from top to bottom. It only fits left to right. And it's literally the printed ad. Like, there's all of the disclaimers at the bottom that say, don't take this drug if you have heart problems or something like that. All that down at the bottom, you can pinch to zoom to zoom in. You can see it all. It's just scanned. And that's crazy to me. Like, you'd think that if you're going to go through all of the effort, I guess it's actually probably not too much effort to format your content your pdf content to you know an iphone but at the same time like come on it's an advertisement just scale it (laughs) so that's weird um in the age of responsive web design yeah 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 kind of strange yeah so that's fascinating uh another kind of strange thing apple news really thinks that i give a crap about celebrities i don't so digging into that, how do I tell Apple News that I don't give a crap about celebrities? The iPhone app and iPad app seem to have been designed by different teams um, with the same goal in mind. So ultimately, they got roughly to the same spot. But there's functionality. There's underlying functionality that doesn't work the same on iPhone as it does on an iPad. So for an example, I see a celebrity article. I'm not interested in seeing that celebrity article anymore. I have the capability to tell Apple News... I want to see less like this. How do I do that? I can open up the article. At the bottom on iPhone and iPad, there's this bar, thumbs up, thumbs down, 
Click thumbs up, thumbs down. Great. That's pretty tedious, though. There's got to be another way. So there's another way to do it. On iPhone, you can find the article on your home screen that you don't want to see anymore. You can swipe left, just like on Tinder, and say, suggest less like this. And then it suggests less like that, theoretically. How much, how much experience with Tinder do you have as a married man? Very little. <laughs> but. Just, just checking. But. Swipe left, I believe, is um, not good. So swipe left. Anyway, I think so. Yeah, I've never actually used Tinder, but I know that obviously one way is good and the other way is right. Like decline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we found our significant others like the like three months before Tinder was a thing. So ooh, look at us. Anywho, um, so you swipe left, swipe right on an iPhone. That seems to be something that you'd want to emulate on iPad as well, but no. Swiping on iPad does nothing. Actually, it breaks things. Like, it actually pulls open a sidebar if you swipe. So that's not how you do it. And the way you suggest less on an iPad is you tap and hold until a little pop-up menu says, hey, what do you want to do this? Do you want to share? Do you want to save it for later? Do you want to suggest less? Do you want to suggest more? Do you want to block this article? Like, uh, you, know, you tap and hold and it's forgivable it's fine but it's just annoying and a lot of annoying things exist about this service quick things apple news uh just in general but apple news plus specifically does nothing to fight clickbait articles if you have a source that is awfully clickbaity all the clickbait articles are going to be in there so frustrating um, and it also doesn't do anything to deliver content in a unique way. Most people only read headlines. Um, that's a problem just societally wide. It's not just a problem with Apple News, but they also do nothing to make it different than the rest. It, if you have right. It. So what's stopping you from going to any other free service and getting exactly the same content? Absolutely nothing. You know, maybe different content that you like even better. Like right. It just doesn't seem like they're all, they have any unique offering. Right. It's they they don't really have anything unique. And so back up at the top, basically, what's the point of paying ten dollars a month? I don't really see any reason to do it. There's just nothing compelling here. So, um, yeah. I guess something fun though. Uh, I might actually continue using this app for news consumption. Attempt to migrate some of my news consumption consumption off of Reddit. Honestly. Um, uh, I love Reddit. Love Reddit to death. Um, yeah, I get it. I feel like I'm a little bit addicted to it. Honestly, Reddit <laughs> has a hive mind mentality. Um, and that is it can. It, it can be good, and it can not be so obvious frequently. But like, there's uh, I think when the Boston bomber came out, they there was a whole task force on Reddit. Of yeah, people trying um, to find. That's one of the more famous examples, and it's not even actually the only one. Um, but yeah, they, they, they thought they had identified the Boston marathon bomber right? and, uh, it was the wrong guy. Right. Yeah. But everyone was pretty much locked into that conclusion and, uh, it led to some issues. (laughs) Yeah. And I love Reddit. I absolutely do love Reddit. Um, you just, you have to, you have to remember that on a, on a, uh, social platform like that, uh, even though the articles you might be reading uh, come from other places and it's kind of aggregated that it's mostly about the comments. And if you're reading those comments, mm-hmm. everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. Right. Right. And that if you're letting them influence you, 
you have to be cognizant of that. So I'm trying to be more cognizant of that. And Apple News is not a social platform. There's no comments on Apple News. So that in and of itself is great. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm left completely to my own interpretation of the news. So that's that's interesting. Um, it still does nothing to really entice me to read anything more than the headlines. But, you know, at least I can't get the content of the article without reading it. So, so the last thing to discuss here is there are ads, uh, but they're also tolerable actually even the pdf scans were easily skippable they're kind of embarrassing just from a graphic designer perspective but they're easily skippable and it's forgivable whatever uh maybe they're not making a lot of money on those scanned ads in the first place so whatever uh yeah they just dump them in there yeah but news sites love to shove auto-playing videos and bizarre and strange clickbait links all over the place i it's social trackers all over, all galore. Um, the the clickbait links with the weird pictures. Like, what the hell are those? Like, it's so bizarre, man. You know, one of the ones that bothers me is when you scroll yeah. and then suddenly you're in a new story. Yeah, what the you hell? You didn't navigate. You've just right. found yourself, just by scrolling, you found yourself on a totally unrelated article. Yeah. God, man, a lot of news sites are just a cesspool for some of the worst practices on the web. It's nuts, man. And um, it, what's what I do like about Apple News, and I think that is the reason why I'm going to continue with this free service. I'm not going to do the $10 service, but I'll do the free service. It doesn't have much of that. Um, there's advertisements every so often. But there isn't any auto-playing videos. There aren't any strange pictures. There, um, There's definitely clickbait advertisement articles. But it's also obvious when it's an advertisement. Just like it's obvious when you go to a website, that's an advertisement. I'm not going to click that. But yeah, there's also aren't any, uh, slide bar, any sidebars that fly into your face. There's no full screen pop-up that attempts to... Uh, Sign up to our newsletter. Right. None of that. It's, <laughs> it's actually... That actually is great. Um, it's not revolutionary it's just say hey let's have less ads god that's so bare minimum like it's so bare minimum (laughs) to be able to say that like we're not doing all these bad practices and these horrible anti-reader things right wow it's so great (laughs) yeah so but yeah so much of the web is that way that yeah it's it's nice to have at least someone you know against the grain I guess. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna keep on giving it a shot because it's it's free to continue to use. I don't notice any difference. I'm using it exactly the same way that I did over the course of the last month, and I'm not paying a doubt any doll any money for it. So, whatever. That's my review. That's my proper review of Apple News Plus. Ever since we talked about this in November, it's been on my mind. Like I didn't give Apple News a, a fair shot with that review. So, that's my fair shot of Apple News. I'm happy I finally readdressed this. Taken care of. We can knock that one off the follow-up list. So off Apple News, but still on an Apple topic. Some pretty uh, big news, actually, in some ways. And in other ways, kind of small news. I love that Apple's <laughs> doing this. It's it's so cool. Um, Apple has 
released a new iPhone in April. What? It's not September. Why is there a new iPhone in April? Um, so Apple's released a new iPhone. They have called it the iPhone SE. That is a name that existed a couple of years ago, and they created a second generation of it. But it has nothing related to the previous generation of the iPhone SE. What this is, the iPhone SE. This is an iPhone with a home button. This is an iPhone with the big bezels. This is an iPhone with a 4.7 inch screen. This is an iPhone that if you saw it on the street, you'd say, hey, that's an iPhone because that looks like an iPhone. It's an iPhone 11 with an iPhone 8 body. Um, yeah. And I think that this is absolutely the best budget iPhone. Uh, sorry, this is the best budget phone a person can buy. Yeah, I actually think I agree almost 100% if not 100% because uh, I, I think uh, potentially the like the Pixel 3a or 4a is up yeah. there but very fair. the iPhone SE is phenomenal. Very fair. The, the 3a, I used it around this time last year. Awesome phone but honest to God like this phone is going to receive software updates it might receive it for up yeah. up to six years. Um, currently, it's looking like we might see an iPhone maybe maybe in the next year or two that receives six years worth of software up, updates. Yeah, which is way better than you see on any Android device. Right. Any. Yes, and uh, Google leads the pack, as they should, with their Pixel devices, but they only promise three years. Android should have way better software support, especially from the big dogs, Google... Uh, Samsung, they should all have better software support than they do. Right. So I don't think I have too much more to say about this because honestly, this is an amazing device for someone who doesn't want to spend a lot of money on a phone, who doesn't care about what their phone is, just wants a cheap phone to last for a long time. This is the kind of device that appeals to a casual user, someone who doesn't care about any fancy features. They just want a cheap phone. Ideally, it has a nice camera in some way, shape, or form. It gets a little bit of extra support, it, and it lasts a long time. This is all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, and it it has uh, uh, the A13 chip in it, which is the same one that's in the 11, right? Yeah, the 11 Pro. The 11 Pro. So you're getting like a top-of-the-line chip in... A $400 phone. Right. And sorry, that's not to say that you're not correct because it is in the 11 as well. It, But just to highlight here, Apple has one new processor. It's the A13. It's in all of their new phones. So it's in both the 11 and it's in their $1,100 iPhone that you could buy today. It's the same processor. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> for for 400 bucks. Right. And and this is this is something that we you and I have both uh kind of hammered at Apple on on this very show. Oh yeah, we did. Is their storage. And they even did kind of a good thing there on this phone cuz they start at 64 gigs, but it's only 50 bucks more to get 128 gigs, which in a $400 phone is a perfectly fine amount of storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 128. Yep. I uh my wife just 
I'm going to rephrase that, and you're going to have to forget that I said my wife first. Um, so my mother. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Freud. <laughs> Freud would love you. Maybe I'll keep that in. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just helped my, my mother upgrade to an iPhone 11. She upgraded off of a 6S, and... Uh, we specifically went out and got her an iPhone 11 with 128 gigabytes of storage because of the fact that I know for a fact, she, so she had the 6S in 2020, and she had that same exact phone since 2015. I guarantee she's still going to have the, this iPhone 11 that we bought her probably in 2024 or 2025, and so it should have more storage because 128 in uh, 2024, 2025 is probably going to be... yeah. You know, not enough. Peanuts. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that Apple makes the the cost to upgrade uh, not extraordinary. So on the yeah. flip side, the Android equivalent for a cheap phone <laughs> is now more expensive. Yeah. So this is how I introduce myself on today's show. And uh, uh, the so flagship killer. Put it together. Ah! The flagship killer becomes the flagship. <laughs> Look at you. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, there's two sides to that, as there is to most things. So the OnePlus 8 and the OnePlus 8 Pro were launched uh, at the same time as the iPhone SE, and it's such a stark contrast mm-hmm. because the original OnePlus One was launched as, and I quote, flagship killer, Okay. <laughs> And what was the price on it? 400 bucks? 400, yep. It was amazing. 400. So here we are, uh, eight generations later in, in terms of OnePlus, roughly. They, I think they, I don't know, maybe they skipped a number, roughly. And uh, the OnePlus flagship phone, their flagship phone, now costs $900. Mm-hmm. On the same day that Apple launches a phone that costs $400 and arguably in in some ways will blow it out of the water. It's it's weird. And I I want you to edit in the clip of Michael Scott. Well, well, well. How the turntables it, It's it's funny because it it seemed like OnePlus didn't get the memo that, uh, you know, starting in September, Apple was starting to release devices with cheaper, uh, uh, cheaper price points, uh, because the iPhone 11 was probably the first obvious sign that Apple got the memo. Hey, we need to have a cheaper phone out there. And so the iPhone 11 came out, it was $50 cheaper than the iPhone 10 R that it essentially replaced. And, it's not much, but it's still cheaper. And now here we are. They've dramatically released a much cheaper phone to a um, a lower end market. And OnePlus has made a ton of money and their name from having a phone that's in the cheaper price point. And looking at the OnePlus 8 Pro at, what, $900 to $1,000? I don't know what the difference is between what you get between a $900 and $1,000 phone. But... At nine hundred to a thousand dollars, it's it's now competing directly against Samsung, and I don't see the point to look at the OnePlus versus the Samsung. 
Well, you're still, I think for a couple hundred dollars, you might still win on a couple spec races. Uh, but it's really going to come down to, I guess it's probably a performance thing at that point. You know, how much, how much do those spec races actually win you daily battles? Because you do get uh, up to 12 gigs of RAM and up to 256 gigs of UFS 3.0 storage on the OnePlus, which is kind of a lot. That's a lot. UFS 3.0 is super fast. So is the OnePlus 8, a, oh, sorry, the OnePlus 8 or the OnePlus 8 Pro a device that you would consider? Maybe. Ooh, cool. Um, I'm not really in a position where I think I need to buy a new phone right now, though. Ooh, oh, yep, that makes sense. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, in a later topic today. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm mostly satisfied with the phone that I have. So the OnePlus 8 is interesting, but I don't know that there's enough yet to to prompt me to buy a new phone. Do you think you're going to try to push closer to three years then on your phone upgrade? I think I am, yeah. Okay. But there's a, there's a ton of... Uh, you know, high high-ish end tech that's that's in the one plus eight. Yep. So, by no means is it a phone that's. I don't want to say by no means, I guess, but it's not that it's really undeserving of the price tag. Because it it has a lot for what you're paying, but I just I don't know if now was the right time for them to say, "Here's our nine hundred dollar phone." Yeah. When we're a brand that's been releasing five or six hundred dollar phones they've been increasing in price over the last couple years honestly and they tried to take a iphone 11 approach with their iphone with their one plus eight by saying the one plus eight is truly the one plus eight whereas the one plus eight pro is something different just like iphone apple did with the iphone 11 pro um they tried to take that approach but really most a lot of people historically anyway who buy one plus are enthusiasts and they want the Pro. So that that story isn't fooling anyone. Uh, whereas iPhone is kind of the opposite. Most people who buy iPhones are more casual users. And so by Apple coming out saying, our, one, our iPhone 11 is the iPhone 11. And if you really want something more, you can get the iPhone 11 Pro. Yeah. You know, it's the opposite story. And um, I don't... And I think that it's going to be more successful for Apple. So... Um, Counter though, honest to God, if you right now in your in your mind aren't thinking that you're gonna get the iPhone the OnePlus Eight Pro, you're not going to get it because OnePlus also put themselves in a very interesting scenario where they actually release two flagships a year. This is not the only OnePlus Eight Pro you're gonna see this year. They're gonna have a OnePlus Eight T Pro. It's a terrible name, but they'll... It is. You know. Or is it Pro-T? I don't know. I guess it remains <laughs> to be seen. So in, in the <laughs> fall, they're going to have a new phone. And so if you aren't... This is the time to buy the OnePlus 8 Pro. If you don't buy it now and you wait like two, three months, why would you buy it? You might as well just wait a couple months to get the 8T because... Your phone's fine. You can wait a couple of months for the next one. And Well, that's an infinite cycle. It is an infinite cycle, and it's fascinating <laughs> how they they play this game. And Okay, I'll, I'll find another phone. I'll put it in your face and say, hey, how about this one? We'll do that again later, So, but not. <laughs> you'll get me one of these days. <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> Given an infinite time scale, you'll cave. <laughs> yeah. Is this the infinite monkey 
on the on the keyboard thing. Exactly. Exactly. We're don't you worry. We're writing Shakespeare right now, right today. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Last thing I wanted to mention because I find this absolutely fascinating. Uh, Microsoft Edge is now the second most popular desktop browser as of March 2020 at 7% versus 70%. What an astronomical rise. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? So, and this is <laughs> like it just came out. Yeah. This is the so Microsoft Edge has obviously been out for a while, but you know, now all of a sudden the, the new version is at 7% already. And I think that actually is probably a testament to the fact that it, it is actually probably a good browser. Um, but what is your opinion on Edge? I've been using it for a long time. Um, not quite since the first public release, I don't think. Uh, I did try it as soon as it was available publicly. Yep. Uh, but I think it was missing a few things, and I I don't really remember what. It just wasn't super usable at the time com- for me coming from Chrome. Uh, I think it was something profile sync related, like syncing uh, settings or or um, favorites, whatever it was. And it definitely, uh, up until very recently, didn't even have extension sync, uh, which got to be a bit of a pain uh, because I have a laptop that I use uh, fairly often and a desktop that I use fairly often. Mm-hmm. And for extensions not to sync was uh, a bit painful, um, but I ended up kind of working through that. Not you know because I don't add extensions all that often, so sure. I ended up just kind of installing them on both. Uh, but now it does have extension sync that pretty much completes it. It's got sync for almost everything. It's missing history and open tabs. That's what it's missing currently for sync, and then it'll pretty much have parity with uh, other browsers. Nice. Nice. Collections, by the way, is uh, something that I haven't really used very often. Uh, it's a bit of a new take on favorites, kind of a more modern type of thing. Ooh, okay. um, so you, when you collect something, it's similar to a favorite, but you can put them in kind of different categories, and it's a little easier to see what it is. I've I've asked myself the question, like, wh- what's really the difference between the favorite and the collection? Like, why... You know, what's going to get me to use collections? And I've tried it a little bit, and I, I have a couple things in, you know, a couple categories of collections, home and tech, and just things that I see, and I'm just kind of trying it out. But, like, I, I really like Edge, and actually it, it has proven performance benefits over Chrome, which is surprising because it's literally based on the same code base. The new Edge uses Chromium, which is uh, the open source... Uh, kind of shell that Google Chrome is also based on. So it's it's interesting, but Microsoft is doing a lot of work contributing back to it, so it's things that could potentially make their way into Chrome. Yeah, I really love this new Microsoft. I mean, I, I think that this is kind of a theme on our show, honestly, that we are just such huge fans of Microsoft, and it's it's you know historically weird to think that um, yeah. We might be huge fans of Microsoft, but both us Google and Apple uh, enthusiasts alike, uh, we we have a sweet spot for Microsoft, and this is one of those reasons. Like they they're contributing to an open source platform. What is this Microsoft? It's they're so contributing crazy. to multiple open source they platforms are. at once. They own the <laughs> open source platform. They own GitHub. Yeah, they they Microsoft actually owns GitHub, which in turn owns npm, which is the package manager for JavaScript, which is the language of the web. Yes. So they have their fingers in like 
the entire modern web stack right now. Microsoft is open source, and yeah, it's just it's huge nuts. If if you want to hear, um, you know, all, all sorts of commentary on this kind of thing, um, the Windows Weekly podcast does an amazing job. Um, and Bo, you really should check them out if you're uh, if you are as big of a um, Microsoft uh, fan as as it sounds like you are. Um, you know, they do, they do a great job in, in discussing this, and they talked about the whole edge. Um, web browser from the very get-go of this whole thing and how strange it is how strange it is that microsoft is an open source platform and that they're contributing so well so um, the windows weekly podcast is a pretty great one to check out so i sure will so we close out our shows with picks and bo this is a surprise this is a surprise to you because obviously we're going long and we want to uh um possibly split out our split out and save our picks for the final segment of this show what just come up with another pick yes what game are you playing right now what game am i playing mm-hmm. still playing overwatch still overwatch <laughs> excellent yeah okay. i just crossed a thousand hours so. thousand hours no way that's well amazing. it's been out for a few years still so, still you know, it's it's a lot but man <laughs> it's I, been a few years i i loved breath of the wild and i only played like a hundred 20 hours or so into it you're a thousand whoa yeah Yeah. and that's uh nice work i don't know how many games i've put a thousand hours into i know uh oblivion i did back in the day uh skyrim i don't think i did i don't think i hit a thousand uh but oblivion was a, a huge one for me i played tons of that game uh so overwatch joins a a fairly small club of games that have hit the the four digits for me cool okay uh i am playing assassin's creed odyssey i bought it a couple years not a couple years back about a year ago or so um i bought it when it was i think it was probably like 20 bucks or so um because i i've spent my fair share on full priced assassin's creed games i love the assassin's creed series but um in retribution to them um for the the bad couple of the bad couple games i decided to hold off on buying the latest one and i bought the latest one that'll at, teach them at a, at a cheaper price right so i didn't buy it day of i i waited i still bought it though so you know. i i really loved the original assassin's creed game or the original trilogy really the the Ezio trilogy Ezio trilogy is great mm-hmm. he's he's one of my favorite characters in games and i i really liked the story at the time and I, I think they, when I say I like the story, I think they kind of bungled it a little bit. They just kind of missed the mark because the whole game, the trilogy was leading up to 2012, yep. like a lot of stuff at the time was. Yep. They didn't have foresight after 2012. Assassin's Creed 3 was still fine, but it was the beginning of kind of a downward spiral. Um, Origins and Odyssey are wildly different. Yeah, they've become a little bit more fantastical, I think. Yeah, and they're super open world single single player. Like I actually described yeah. this uh, to my friend the other day, saying it's massively single player game and massively single player offline. Massive, massively single single player offline. Yep, it's <laughs> you, you got a lot of more words to say, a lot more uh, a, a much bigger acronym to say <laughs> so uh closing out thank you for listening to active discourse um 
feel free to let us know any comments, uh, questions uh, at activediscourse at iCloud.com or feel free to tweet us at activediscourse on Twitter. Thank you for listening and we'll see you very soon. A few short minutes for us, maybe a week for you. Yep. Bye. (laughs)